0: Embracing healthy thinking. Three things you can do to think healthier. And today's part seven, the final one. Um, thinking better, living better. That's what we want. We all do. And I, I got to admit, over the last uh, three months, um, this, is, this has been a big topic for all of us. Uh, mental health, How we think, how we process, how we react, how we engage in in conflict with other people that disagree with us, all that stuff, it's all getting called out. Everything's going to happen. Even in homes, you end up having more uh, arguments, I'm sure, (laughs) because you're around each other a lot more. It's funny how that works. So as we wrap this series up, that picture you see there, the reason I put it on it's a place of peace that I remember Um, some of our best family vacations have been uh, our trips to Prince Edward Island. And this is on Prince Edward Island on the ocean right in front of our cottage. So to me, that's a place of mental peace. And so that's why that picture was used uh, throughout the series. Why do you have a fire in there? And that's why, because to me, it brings a calm. It's about a sense of peace. So anyway, next, next slide. This is a summary of uh, what we have been covering for this entire series. Here's what you've heard and uh, what we're summing up today. First of all, we need to recognize who our true source is. Uh, who is Jesus? We covered that really well. Um, how do we respond when we feel worn down? Then we, talk about, we talked about myths and misconceptions surrounding mental health. That was a big one. Then I think we took two weeks to talk about patterns of thinking that hinder a healthy mind. And these are like six really nasty patterns we can get sucked into. It's like driving down a road, you know, of the road we're supposed to be thinking. And then you go off in the one ditch because you shouldn't be going that way. Well, then you try and counter and do a counter measuring and you flip over the other side and you find yourself in another terrible thinking pattern. Well, got to go back and watch those. Those are really good. And then last week, we began starting the discussion of three powerful actions that will empower and enhance healthy thinking patterns. Uh, And then of course, uh, uh, I hope we get time today to talk about some simple steps to help you think better and live better. Um, But we'll get into it. So last week, Last week when we talked about three things you can do, the first one, first one was diligently guard your thoughts, and uh, two weeks ago actually, and then last week we talked about meditate on the grace of God and his excessive goodness towards you. Um, we talked about these things last week, I know I'm just flipping through them fast, um, we began uh, just consciously wondering, okay, uh, where do we draw our attention then to, where, where do we put it? And these things to meditate on. How do we or what do we meditate on when we say think of good things? Here's a list, and I only got through page one. And today we're going to get into page two. Oh, oh, good. I do have it done like this. So here I'm going to continue. This to me has been almost my favorite part of the whole series. Just a quick reminder of how uh, and what to meditate on. So this is almost like a reminder time. In uh, uh, Romans 5:8. In fact, let me just—I'm going to just click on these because I'm going to read them to you. All right, these are big, and I have it written in front me. I don't have the verses uh, put up for you, so we're going to come back to this slide in just a second. Uh, but these are the things I want to cover today on what to meditate on. So let me let me just uh, stop sharing the screen. We'll come back to this slide in a bit. Um, but I want to I want to talk to you about. That list. The the first one is you've been reconciled in Romans 5 uh, verses 8 to 10. Here's what it says in Romans uh, uh, 5, 8 to 10. It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When did it happen? While we were still sinners. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And the word, of, word rather, we've talked about many times, it may not mean what you think it means. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be uh, by his life. Um, so the idea of reconciliation, is, it's about a restored relationship. Adam and Eve, um, their relationship went sour in their minds, not in God's in their minds. And so when Jesus came in and died on the cross and made us new creations, he reconciled the world. What was at odds is now put away. And now the thing that was blocking or hindering us from connection and relationship to God has been restored. There's no more block. Everyone has access, but not everyone is exercising that access. And so our ministry is not to get people saved, but, well, in, in the sense of, you know, are you in or out, but rather to tell them about the reconciliation that has happened, to declare it. And that's pretty cool. The next thing um, that I think is really important uh, to share is the idea of uh, Ephesians 1, 7. Our sins have or are taken away. We're forgiven. Um, this is a biggie. I was talking with uh, one of our guest speakers for the next couple of weeks, and this was one of their big ones too. And this was one of mine, the idea that we're forgiven. How often do we beat ourselves up or have we beat ourselves up or are still, if you don't realize this, uh, with the idea that, Hey, maybe I'm not forgiven and now I have to go beg. And so honestly, I, 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 um, I really hope that you know this one already. So if you're going to meditate on things, if you're in a downward spiral wondering if <coughs> sorry, if God likes you or whatever, but do you know he's fully forgiven you already? That issue has been put away. It says in Ephesians 1.7, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That's a huge one. Uh, and then Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says you've been forgiven. Just another reminder because this is a big topic. Um, not everybody um, realizes that there are more people that don't know the forgiven than you think. There are more people in the church today worldwide that do not believe they are forgiven. They have come to a, um, an understanding that you must beg for your forgiveness continually. Is there anything wrong with asking for forgiveness? No, there is not. But know the, 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 the deeper truth that you are already. That, that's huge. You don't pray the prayer in order to get something you haven't got. You have it already. In Colossians 2:13 uh, and 14, it says, "And then and when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him." Then he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set us, he set this aside, nailing it to the cross. Wow. Uh, are you getting the point? You're forgiven. I did a, I did think two sermons back to back. Cause it was such a big topic on, on just that. So the idea of forgiveness is, is big. Next one. You are alive with Christ. Now, we just finished reading that when we were dead, he made you alive. Okay, so there's that already. But now we come to Ephesians 2.5. Again, this is things to meditate on when you are having a hard day. Take one of these a day. Just just take one of these verses every day and just meditate, ponder, think about it. It says in Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. This is powerful. Ephesians 2.10 is another good one. You are a work of art. How many times do we hear people beating themselves up? Oh, I look terrible. I'm ugly. Not good enough. My haircut's bad. Uh, I got this blemish, And we just start pointing out all these flaws that we see as flaws, but they're They're not. And here, Ephesians 2.5 says, even, oh, sorry, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, we have become his poetry. I believe this is from the Passion Translation. A, a work of art, and not a piece of work, okay? here <laughs> A work of art. Uh, a recreated people that will f- fulfill the destiny he's given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. As in, this is a done deal. You are joined. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good work we should do to fulfill it. What is this? It says before we were born. What about, I didn't even pray a prayer to become a Christian before that. Well, guess what? God's a little bigger than what we think is going on. So that's kind of cool. The next one's Ephesians uh, uh, 4. 24 says you are holy. This is a hard one. I remember uh, going to camp and reading a book. uh, I think it was Jerry Bridges, the pursuit of holiness. And um, the book was, the book was fine. Um, I learned a lot. And what I didn't know at the time was I'm trying to pursue a holiness that I already had. I had so much to learn and things I did not know about the holiness of God. And uh, <laughs> I had to, it took years later before I found out I was already holy. I'd been begging God because I thought I had to do something to get holy. Then I thought I had to do something to maintain holiness. And I thought there's something I, can, I could do to become unholy. Because, you know, we're so powerful, aren't we? <laughs> anyway, next one. This is a very encouraging one. You'll like this one. The um, The Trinity is actively at work in you, Philippians 2, 13 to 14. This is a fantastic one to ponder. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's the source of all this. This is a great one. Like, I'm not going to, again, I could pull out each of these verses and talk about each one for a time, but I can't. We've got to boot it through this uh, series. I got to get done today. <laughs> and uh, this is stuff that you get to go meditate on. In fact, I recommend you go online to BibleGateway.com or something like that, or Bible Hub, and uh, choose multiple translations, because you can have your view to do that, and punch in these verses, and watch what comes up, and ponder, meditate on these. It's really awesome. Uh, Colossians three four. You are the expression of divine life, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the world, you will share in His glory. I thought I had to wait until after I died to get eternal life. I thought Jesus meant you know for God to so love the world or whenever when that was said for God to so love the world, give His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. I thought that happened after I died. I did not know I was already possessed with the life of Jesus in me. And so are you. And if you don't know it yet, uh, he'll wake you up. He'll love it. Okay, next one. Uh, Colossians 127, one of my favorites, Christ lives in you. This was another huge wake-up call to me. This one alone, if you just meditate on this today or tomorrow, whenever you want to, um, this is a biggie to realize the divine – Being of the universe, the creator of all things indwells you. It says here, For God granted, sorry, God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This was a secret until this moment. This gives you assurance of sharing (coughs) his glory. If you ever questioned if you're gonna make it, gonna make it to heaven, make it to be with Jesus? Well, guess what? Because Christ is in you, this is the guarantee. He lives in you as the guarantee. It's kind of cool. Uh, this next one, Colossians one fifteen to seventeen, He holds all things together. This is a big one. Um, uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. This is your science lesson right there. Let's go quantum on this. Let's go. Uh, to the deepest levels of science. And it's there. He's there holding it all together. This is a pretty powerful one. All right. Uh, Here's something else to meditate on. God is love. Well, I thought God loves everyone and he does, but I thought that's his job, you know, (laughs) like sure. God loves you, but, um, yeah, you have to balance that with his wrath. You got to balance it with his justice. You got to balance it. That's what I get all the time from people. Oh, but yes, he's also this. Well, hang on. For those that rush ahead, if you're one of those that rush ahead with a yeah, but, how about you stop your yeah, but for just a moment? And I'm saying this respectfully. Stop the yeah, but. Because everyone, anyone who's telling you this, like me telling you now that God is love, I don't need the yeah, but. I've lived the yeah, but, okay? I don't need that reminder from anyone else. Again, thank you. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. How about focus on God is love? Stop there. Like, just stop and focus on that. And don't say anything after that. I, I can just hear, but, but, but. There is no but. God is love. And until you arrive at that moment, when you don't feel you have to add on anything, your life is going to change radically. Your concept of who God is will change radically. Your concept of who others are, (laughs) it's going to change radically. There's something to ponder on. Don't ponder on the wrath and all that. You've done enough of that. We're obsessed with that in the church world. So enough of that already. Let's, let's obsess with something we don't obsess on. And it will make the other things become clearer. First John 1.5 says, God is light. This is another great one. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's the verse. For God is love. Um, by the way, I want to I want to uh, comment on one part of that. A lot of people will jump onto the yeah, but they'll read that verse eight where it says the one who does not love does not know God. <laughs> that doesn't mean they're not gods. It just means they haven't awoken to or know are or aware. The love of God and are acting out in their own ego way of living, self-sufficient way. God is light. First John one five it says, "This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all." Do you feel like you're in a dark place? Okay, then then who is in you, God, and God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. So the darkness you're um, feeling is a subjective experience. Okay, you may feel like you're in darkness, but watch the light of Christ in you become brighter in your awareness, and it will push out that false concept of darkness that you you have in your mind. All right. And lastly, John 1030 says God is just like Jesus. Um, This this is another big one. We've talked about this one before where God is just like Jesus, um, it says in John ten thirty, the Father and I are one. Do you ever think Jesus is the, as the good cop and God the Father is the bad cop? <laughs> I have. <laughs> and it is inaccurate. In fact, write these two down. If you forget what they are, uh, screw, uh, or rewind later when this uh, video is done and look them up. John 14, verses 9 to 11, and John 17, verse 20 to 23. These are wonderful confirmations that God is just like Jesus. Jesus is just like God. They are not different, <laughs> So, which is, which is confusing. Um, uh, it's confusing because we have been told the God of the Old Testament is very different than he changed uh, when Jesus showed up. Mm-mm. It's our lens that has changed. Oops. It's our lens that has changed, not not the truth of who God is. Anyway, that's, that's something to ponder on. We've, we've talked about it many times and really important for us as a church family to not forget some of these basics. So this list that I've given you, this is things to meditate on. Let me see if I can scroll up to the uh, previous one. So this is, oops, hey, there we go. That's last week's list. And this is this week's list. That, that's a big list of things to ponder, meditate on. I hope you'll do that. I think you'll be really, really glad you did. So what else, what else can we do? Well, let me encourage you to read every book on God's grace. You can discover stories and books on God's love, discover, uh, and, and study some of these topics that, um, from others who have different perspectives, you should not be threatened by authors you've been told not to read. I, I laugh at some of the church world, dear brothers and sisters. Okay. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. They just don't see this. We don't see things the same way, but there's some groups of folks that will, you know, send emails out, do a big announcement. Don't watch that movie. Don't buy that book. You know, Rob Bell, when love wins came out, man, he got in so much trouble. Great book, go read it. But the, some of the church world said, no, it's terrible. And everybody just follows their pastor's words and just you know, like lemmings, no brain required. Come to this, you know, it, honestly. And I'm not, I, I gotta be careful how I say this because sometimes I've been told I sound like I'm criticizing others, but I'm criticizing the control freakism, I'm criticizing what shouldn't be happening no pastor should dictate to their church what they can and cannot read, what they can watch and what they cannot watch. That is a cult. It flat out, sorry, it just is. When the Shack came out, <laughs> you know, they tell people to no, don't watch the Shack. Well, why are we telling folks not to watch Left Behind by Tim LaHaye? You know, it's fiction stuff. So Do you hear us doing that? No, because I believe you all have your own mind and can make up your own mind. If you like it, that's fine. You're not going to get criticized for enjoying books that are different. So what? I'm trying to point you to Christ. Let him be the one to make you excited about what you're going to study. So read books. Learn all you can. You are in a divine romance with God. Become obsessed with the love of God, and you will see the love of God and his truth, and this, his truth will change the way you think. It happens from the inside out. Why does it matter? Why does it matter what you believe? Here's why. Matthew nine twenty nine says, <coughs> pardon my cough. This is allergy cough, not COVID. Just so you know. You, know. Um, you don't have to wipe your screen down. It's okay. Uh, Matthew 9, 29, it says this, He touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. Or in the New Living Translation, it says, Because of your faith, it will happen. The Message Translation says, Become what you believe. And the Passion Translation says, You will have what your faith expects. Faith and what you believe matters. For what you believe, you will act on do you believe everything correctly? No. Do I believe everything correctly? No. Do you? No. None of us have got it all right. So believe with an open hand. Let the Holy Spirit be your, your guard, not a denomination or church per se. There's, there's much wisdom in, in listening to the Spirit in you. I've, I've, listen, I've, I've bumped into folks over the years who have heard a, a, a message of grace and um, in a way that I, I I didn't grow up that way, so they heard it from a almost a more pure lens. They got it right away, and they weren't pounded with church legalism like I was. That's why you hear me constantly referring back to the old systems of what I grew up in and how it was so harmful. But there are folks that live right next to us, that uh, all around us, that were not exposed to that. They heard the love of God. In fact. Ha, it's you're going you're going to be su- shocked at how many mainline churches like Lutheran United and Presbyterian uh have had a simple message all this time uh, again i I'm surprised I love it I, I just didn't hear much of it. I thought my experience was pretty well known and it is my the lens I come from is a predominant western evangelical world but These other tribes and denominations, some of them have had it right long before us. And so for them to hear it, they go, yeah, I've always believed that. It's like, what? Oh, my. So don't be shocked when you bump into people that already know God's good. And you'll hear that in some of the interviews uh, that we're going to share with you guys uh, in the next couple weeks. Romans 8.28. This is a beautiful one. Oh, how much time have I got left? A few minutes. Um, We are convinced that every detail of our lives, every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. God works all things together. All things. If you don't believe that, then that means there is something you must control. It, did you hear that? If you don't believe God does work all things together, then there's something you can control, which you can't. <laughs> all right? You think you can control stuff. You really can't. This COVID thing was a great wake-up call to everyone that we can't control what's going on in our world. Who would have predicted this? Nobody. Well, maybe some people sort of did, but not exactly like this. This is a wake-up call um, that God's involved in every aspect of what's going on. 2 Corinthians 3.18. How does this happen? How do we get to know this God better and better? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. Pause there for a second. Have you ever met people who just seem to uh, resonate or send off a vibe of just being real love, like, There's something good about them. They just seem to love Jesus, and they're not preachy. They're just kind, and it comes out. It it just seems to permeate from, from who they are, from their kind face, to the gentleness of their eyes, to the tone of how they speak. They're just kind. They've had a veil ripped away from their face, and they are just reflecting like a mirror now the love of God. And sometimes you see it in people only for a moment but it's there you know the veil gets flung back across their face because they've forgotten well we are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another and his glorious transfiguration comes from the lord who is the spirit god is at work in you super great story i'm uh I'm looking at the clock and I'm gonna. I put some slides at the end of my message because I didn't think I'd get to them, but I want to. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna switch for a second and go to them, all right? So give me one sec here. Um, Because I think we need to understand how to grow up. And to me, this is a major part of the story. I'm glad I'm able to include this. I was bummed that I couldn't. So here we go. Let's get into this next one. So, how then? If, if, If the veil's being lifted from our eyes, What does it look like practically? And I think this next text, which most of you have heard before, is a great answer. 2 Peter 1, one of my favorite texts, if you guys haven't figured that out yet. Listen to this carefully because this is about the journey of maturing and growing. He writes, may God bless you with his special favor and wonderful peace as you come to know jesus our god and lord better and better all right this is about getting to know each other better and better have you ever met somebody new you're in a new relationship i know uh, you know when when uh uh, a couple gets together for the first time they start dating um uh, they're just getting to know each other better and better and then if things are good, you just keep getting to know each other better and better. Sometimes it comes to an end. Sometimes it leads to marriage and so on and so on. But this is a journey. So the favor of Christ and his wonderful peace is experienced by getting to know God, the Trinity, better and better. Then it says in verse 3, As we know Jesus better, His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. Oh, how does that happen? As you get to know Him. Does that mean God puts new power into you? No. He reveals what is already in you. He has already given you everything you need. He has called us to receive His own glory and goodness. Well, how many times do we want his glory? Lord, give me your glory. Give me your peace. And we just give our list to God. He said, I already did. Chill, child. All right, next one. Um, so make every effort. This is, this is like effort. Did you see that word effort? So make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. It's one thing to learn them. Oh, isn't that a nice book? How lovely was that. Oh, with the Bible so sweet? No, 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 no no. That, that is good. But as the Holy Spirit wakes you up to apply this stuff, obey the Spirit, and that obedience will lead you to an effort. There's a way to apply the benefits to your life. Once this happens, then it says, then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. How many times do we, uh, have we heard uh, preachers or soapbox preachers on a corner um, uh, shouting at people to, you know about their terrible lifestyle and all the things they're doing wrong, what sin is and how sin has separated them from God and all that stuff to scare the hell out of people, um, when really the moral excellence comes from knowing God better. Not from being told you're bad. Now be good. That's the wrong tree, folks. These people are preaching to, to the wrong tree. Get off the bad branch and get onto the good branch. No, no, no. Move over to the tree of life. Very big difference. Listen, what happens next after moral excellence comes? Um, knowing God will lead to self-control. You've been praying for self-control. Get to know God better. This is the best list I've ever seen in Scripture. Self-control then leads to patient endurance, and patient endurance leads to godliness. Listen, when you get to the end of this list, your jaw is going to drop. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. And finally, you will grow to have a genuine love for everyone. Uh, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the news. Black Lives Matter, uh, police abuses, uh, racial profiling uh, in Canada. We have our indigenous people having trouble there. Uh, you name it, it's everywhere. Well, can, can I humbly suggest we take a look at this text and, and reshape our thinking. This is about godliness leading us to love for other believers, but that's not the goal. The goal is that we have a genuine love for everyone. Do you see the word race in there? I only know one race, the human race, one Christ. So uh, somehow this, this smacks as the answer for much of what's going on today. I, I know people are screaming for, hey, I've been hurt, and they have to be heard. But this, I believe, is the goal, that we have genuine love for everyone. Verse eight. This is going to be great. The more you grow like this, (laughs) the more you become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am scared of people who have their Bibles memorized. They've done it out of duty, many, some out of genuine love. Absolutely. I'm I'm, I'm not knocking that. I I haven't got the capacity to do that. Um, But some of the negative side effects of this have been very judgmental people. And they, they use it as a baseball club to club over people. And that is not what the scripture is for the scripture points us to Christ who is love, not a club. Um, but listen to this. Here's what happens when we don't do these steps, but those who fail to develop these virtues are blind or at least very short sighted. They have already forgotten that God has Cleansed them from their old life of sin. This is a pretty powerful one. This is a really powerful one. Whoops. Let me uh, let me just go to back up to where I was um, because uh, I, I want to give the last item that we had. Hang on. Uh oh. Hang on. Uh oh. Give me one sec. Sorry for the delays. Having some tech issues. And we are almost there. Okay, here we go. Lastly, I said there were three things we can do to uh, um, practice this idea of, of healthy thinking. Here's, here's the last one. And this is kind of humbling because <laughs> um, I haven't got this one perfect. No laughing at anybody who knows me. Take care of your body. If you want to have healthy thinking patterns, Every doctor, therapist, psychologist, naturopath, everyone will talk about the importance of diet and intake. They'll talk about exercise and sleep. Those are the four main, or these two, the first two bullets here are the main things that we're told if you want to embrace healthier thinking. You got to take care of your body. You need the right ingredients and, and nutrients in there to develop where uh, if you don't have them, they're going to lack. And like, I'm, my wife's probably chuckling right now. She so says, you, you better listen to what you preach. <clears throat> anyway, uh, it's still true whether I'm practicing it or not. And uh, I'm, I'm learning. I, I'm saying, I knew this was coming. So it's like, uh, you know, um, I have work to do on this. But I will do it as Christ in me gives me the motivation to go. And I'm, I'm, it's not easy. The third one here, meditation and soul care. Uh, take time to learn to meditate. Meditation is a really great thing. If you've been told yoga is evil, meditation's new age, w- listen, you were told that by somebody who is ignorant of what real meditation is and the real foundation of yoga. Don't, don't, don't just buy it because they said it. I believe meditation, and we've talked about it already in this series and have shown you throughout scripture, those who have meditated, gone up to a quiet place. Someone told me yesterday, go into a dark room, find a closet where it's dark to meditate so you can't be distracted. Really powerful. Your soul matters. Your emotions, your feelings, these things have to be taken care of. And sometimes counseling needs to happen. In fact, it's like going to a doctor. Do you ever go to a doctor once a year to get your blood tested, see how healthy you are? When you hit a certain age, you got to go all the time, um, just in case. And so for, for personal counseling, sometimes it's good to go just to see is your head straight, you know. For couples, uh, there's great value in counseling, even if things are great, you know. Don't go when things are terrible because it's going to take a lot longer to get through it. Um, and then of course, let love be your new default response. This is huge. Let love be your new default. I, I still need to learn this. I know my life has been crazy busy and I know for my family, unfortunately I've been snappy and I don't like it at all. I feel like i Beat myself up every time that I realize that. Oh man, my brain's so full of not let love be my default response. Gentleness hasn't always been my default response, and I need to practice that again more and more. I'm trying already. I've been practicing this week. Not that they'll notice necessarily, but I I have noticed um, <laughs> personally, and that's really cool. Take care of your body. Final thoughts. Expectations when we come to healthier thinking. Surrender your expectations to God, all right? Um, Disappointment comes when we have failed expectations, but surrender them to God. Let him be the one to guide you. We we have already heard that God is the one who puts uh, desires in us and gives us the power to fulfill those desires. Um, Refuse to complain. Turn your back on worrying and trust in him. Stop complaining about the world. Stop complaining about masks. Just stop it. Stop complaining. Stop complaining about what's happening politically. Stop. I have I'm listening to myself here. Stop. It's not helpful. That is not a reflection of Christ. And don't give me this, yeah, but Christians got to stand. No, I'm talking about you. Me. As one with Christ. I am one with Christ. You are one with Christ. I'm one with you. When the negativity starts. It sends a vibe to everyone else around us, and it hurts. We're doing it to ourselves. You say, I'm not hurting anyone. Yes, you are. You're hurting everyone around you. The more negative you are, when you continually repeat negativity, stop it. Refuse to complain. The scriptures are clear. We talked about this already. Refuse to allow your circumstances to determine your attitude. It is always your choice. Sometimes it's easy. But other times, man, it's hard. It takes strength to choose the right attitude. It's weak to just follow through with the negative attitudes. And lastly, love wins. And we're gonna end with this. Love wins. First Corinthians 13 from the Passion Translation. Listen to this. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when, blessings, when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflates its own importance. I love this next one. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated, or quick to take offense. Ouch. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. (laughs) Can you hear that? That is powerful. This series is critical, and I hope it's been an encouragement to you. Share the series with others. I'm going to put a post up, not this week, maybe next, of the playlist from YouTube uh, for just the messages because right now we're, this is live, so you have the whole thing in this, in this video. But I still post on YouTube. I re-upload just the message so people that are not part of Hope Fellowship can go right to the teaching time. I hope this has hit your heart it's hitting mine this morning. Uh, like, honestly, I can't do fake. Okay. I have to be honest with this. And if the text that I'm dealing with is something that I've not perfected, I'm going to tell you and I have, okay. Um, yeah, I got stuff to work on. I'm human just like you. (laughs) I don't get this right. But if I read what I just read about love, Wow. So if I say I love you to my wife and I say I love you to my kids and it doesn't look like what we just read, Lord, remind me, tap me on my shoulder. If what I sound like on Facebook doesn't look like what I just read, Lord, remind me, make me delete my posts, make me not even post stuff that does not reflect your love. May what we say always be an expression of divine love in us. That's it. Thank you for participating in this series. Um, There's a lot to digest here.